in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Once again, I have no co-host, but I do have Cindy Lee on the other end of the microphone with me today. How are you doing, Cindy? Hey, great. Thank you. Yeah. And so, Cindy, people don't know this yet, but you're a future podcaster on the Oil and Gas Global Network. I am. But you have a long history in this industry. Yes, I do. Yeah, eight years. Yeah. And for eight years, you have been involved in a lot of heavy steel and protecting that heavy steel. Yeah, I uh, import a protective coating from the United Kingdom. And I don't know how deeply involved the HSE people are that are listening to this. So basically, it's the paint that goes on all your substrate to make sure that your assets, you know, covered thy assets, <laughs> are all protected and that your workers stay safe, of course, in your equipment. Yeah. And so Cindy called it paint. When Cindy and I met and I was speaking somewhere, she was in the audience. And she came up talking to me. She goes, hey, I want to show you something. She goes, I have a coating that you can put over wet steel that will harden and protect it. And I go, bullshit. Honestly, bullshit. I've heard this a million times in my life, and I've never seen it happen. Or when it does happen, it's like, yes, you can coat a wet pipe, but first you have to sandblast it, then you have to put it in vacuum, then you have to bake it at 500 degrees. Cindy, what you have is literally miraculous. Yeah, and you know what I'm thinking? It's so funny when you said that about calling bullshit on it. I'm thinking, I need to start betting people. So, cause I could have a whole other separate revenue stream from selling my coatings because yeah, it's something, it's a, not a new technology to the world and yet it's fairly new to the USA. But yeah, we've been protecting wet substrate for years and years around the world. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't, this is going to be a coding podcast. This is all right. around health, safety, environment. And what you do touches everything to such a big degree. So let's go back. To, let's go to the safety one because that's that's the part that we tend to start with. So your coding, the biggest thing is it requires less man hours, so you have less people doing the same job. Yeah. So anywhere that you can have less people, less equipment, as you said, less man hours involved, there's obviously an economic saving. And yet also from a health, safety and environment standpoint, you're putting people at risk for less amount of time. Like I'll give you one example. And an offshore platform in Gulf of Mexico that had actually got written up by Bessie. And for those of you that aren't from the U.S. or in Gulf of Mexico, Bessie actually stands for Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement. And they basically read my operator, the Riot Act, and they said, okay, either you get this fixed or we're shutting your platform down. So up until that point in time, they hadn't been really receptive to my coding. And they contacted my contractor and they said, hey, you know, that crazy lady with the paint, <laughs> we've got an issue here that we've got to get this done as fast as we can. We want to give this a go. So they had actually said it was 16 days for the paint job. So they scheduled 60 days Six, for the paint 16, job. 16, yes. Two days for mobilization, two days for demobilization, and 12 days for painting. And we were in and off the platform in eight days. Two days of mobilization, two of demobilization, but only four days of painting. A huge difference yeah, in the number of yeah. man hours and, and the reduction in incidences is has to be I mean just has to be extremely obvious you literally have less people doing less work and getting the same results yeah and also typically we don't even have to grit blast the surfaces actually I want to stop you right there if our audience doesn't know what grit blasting is grit blasting 
Grit blasting is a form of surface preparation to get all the old paint and any rust and stuff that is not going to pr- is not going to allow the paint to be applied to the surface correctly. So it's, grit- it's a mess. Imagine using something like sand and high yes. pressure air, and you literally blast steel with it. The people that are blasting have to wear special equipment. You have to have special equipment to do the blasting. Then you have to clean it up, and while you're doing it, it's producing dust. That's a whole hazard just in itself that you yeah. eliminate it. Yeah, and then there's like there's all the collection of the grit, and then it's typically depending on what paint or the old coating was actually on the substrate. Then it's got to be disposed of as hazmat, and then it's got to go on boats. Back. Sure, it gets to be a very, very expensive process. Expensive process, and what a lot of people don't understand is that debris is still a liability for the owner of that company. Even they go dispose of it, they still have liability risk, and you've taken all that off the table. Yep. No, not you personally, yes. but your company. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Cody. You're out there, Cody. <laughs> all right. So great results. You, you can put it on wet pipe which is, or wet steel. Anybody out there that's in this industry knows how huge that is. Less time. Does it work? Does it last? Yeah, absolutely. We actually are one of the few, and I say we, I, so I import my product from the United Kingdom. So I have a manufacturer that makes the product and then I bring it to the U.S. And once we have contractors trained, or rather, as I like to call it, untrained, because of course everyone says, you know, this can't be done. We offer a much longer warranty than almost anybody else in the industry. I'll give you a really good example. So we had another offshore operator and they had wellheads that they were actually having to recoat every six to 12 months. And of course, you know, so you've got the barges, you've got the surface preparation equipment, they're painting, and they had been doing this routinely every six to 12 months because of course, you know, they had to have their wellheads protected. So again, they were someone that I had worked with and they had decided that they were going to use one of my coatings that has the built-in UV protection. So it's basically a one coat system in that it's primer finish with UV all built in one and it worked perfectly for them. But what was happening, as I said, they were coating every six to 12 months and 92 wellheads later in two years, they haven't had to go back out and paint their wellheads. So that's a huge difference in man hours once you get a safety thing. But the other thing is you're also talking about production. You don't paint the wellhead while you're in production. You stop production, pull the wellhead off, blast it, paint it, and now you've eliminated that. Right. So now you're talking about increasing production. So, so we've talked a whole bunch about the safety aspect of this, which I think is fascinating. It's amazing. You take something as simple as a coating. And when you step back and look at how it can be used, it can touch the metrics in this industry in a bunch of ways. Let's go to the health parks. I want to save environment for last. That's my favorite. So let's go to the health part. So most paints have a, what's called volatile organic compounds, VOCs, right? And these are actually come from oil and gas. You want to know these are the lighter weight, what's distilled. And it's things like Napa benzol, benzinate, all that sort of stuff, which keeps the paint in suspension. You paint it, that VOCs evaporate and it leaves the paint behind is how that works. You don't have VOCs in your product, do you? Well, actually, we do have a small amount of VOC, depending on which system we use. I have one that's near zero, been tested to the EPA 24 method. I've got those lab results. I've got another coating, the one that's got the built-in UV resistance, that it is well below the local AIM levels. That's architectural and industrial maintenance coatings. And I have a email from the EPA on what they are for the Gulf of Mexico and our coating, like since inception. And that's one of the things that I wanted to mention is that 
you know, a lot of paint manufacturers have had to reformulate in order to have their product come into conformance with all the EPA VOC levels. And our product, because it is from Europe, was developed as being a relatively low VOC product. So all the history of use since 2002 around the world has all been with the exact same formulation. So nothing has been changed along the way. Yeah. And so that trickles out to other things. So typically when you're painting with coatings that have high VOCs, at the minimum, you have a filtered respirator. Usually you have a fresh air respirator, right? Sometimes you, you're wearing full scuba. Sometimes you have to put whatever you're painting into a booth with positive ventilation and you've just eliminated all of that. Yeah. So again, I've got two different systems, but there was one that we use for a, a tank lining that we can do everything from platform legs to tank lining for potable water, um, even jet fuel ballast water. And it is like my, it was my near zero VOC. And we say, you know, you don't need ventilation equipment and you don't need any dehumidification equipment because it's got no dew point or humidity restrictions. Now, I don't know if in the U.S., given the laws, if they would put people inside of a ballast tank, <laughs> you know, without that equipment. And yet using our coating, again, depending on the application, it doesn't require it. So yeah. there is a huge and I always go back to like the, the savings to the customer. And I know we're on HSE. And yet, you know, so the installed cost of not getting all this extra equipment and and the surface preparation, you know, and the fact you're not paying contractors for standby time because you can't coat the surfaces because it's too humid or it's wet or there's a dew point or something. We eliminate all of that. Like I have some awesome contractors that they all say like, this is great because we get to look like rock stars because we don't have to worry that, you know, somebody's going to come back to us in three months. And because it was, you know, it was too humid and, you know, our guys painted that day. So... Yeah, it's um. I want to save the environment for last because I want to go a little bit deeper there. But that you know that whole tank entry thing. I don't. I don't want to spend too much time. That's a dangerous thing. Period in our industry, and and unfortunately because we're like a family. I've seen. I've actually personally seen this, and it's sad. You'll have a guy go down in a tank, and even though everybody should know better, somebody goes and gets him, and that guy goes down, yeah. and sometimes another guy goes in there, and it's um anything we can do to prevent injuries and unfortunate accidents in tanks. We we need to do as an industry. So, Cindy, we're at the point of the show where it's time for the Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. Do you have a safety tip for our audience? Well, yeah. One of the things that I have noticed in this industry is there are a lot of other coatings that actually have a really high solvent content. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but actually, if solvent gets on your hard hat or coatings could get on your hard hat, they could eat away the protection that the hard hat's giving you. So if you're uh, using something other than my coating, make yeah. sure that you're looking after your hard hat and not getting all the solvent-borne material on it. Yeah, that's actually a really good tip. So if, if you have a hard hat that you've been wearing for a while and it gets paint on it, go get you another hard hat. It's not worth you getting, you know, knocking the head that the hard hat doesn't protect from. Good safety tip of the week. All right, so Cindy, I want to roll into what you're doing from an environmental point of view, right? My degrees in wildlife management, as an industry, we care about the environment more than any other industry out there. If you're new to the show and you don't believe me, call me and I will talk you through this. But so from an environment point of view, you are so much better for the environment in so many different ways. So the first thing that pops in my head is use less total of your product than other coatings, right? So just right there, you're better for the environment because it's less product being shipped and manufactured. Actually, yeah. As a matter of fact, the system that I was talking about that's very low VOC is actually solvent-free. So there was no solvent being discharged into the environment at all. Another thing I think that's really cool is typically when you're talking about heavy steel, and I don't care if you're talking about pipe racks or legs of a rig or tanks or whatever, when you go to prep that to be coated, 
that is never good for the environment. They're, everything from the sandblast that's going on to hauling off the waste paint to the fact that maybe that waste paint is so old it has lead in it. And, and so you eliminate all of that as well because y'all just basically come in and coat. Yeah, I mean, we still have to do some surface preparation, but depending what is on the substrate, as long as it's compatible with a epoxy and we have a good anchor profile, what's tightly adhered to the surface, like, yeah, we don't have to take that to near white metal. So for anyone that isn't in the paint industry, what, typically what happens when you do a coating project is you have to get every single bit of paint that's on the substrate off and we get to what we call is a near white metal blast and the coating systems that i've got are very high surface tolerant which means that as long as we get all the extra corrosion and any of the coatings that are on there that would easily come off with some water we're finished surface preparation and then we can apply our coatings right after that yeah and if y'all haven't done this trust me you don't ever want to do this so She's talking about sandblast and steel, which sounds relatively easy, although it's it's harder than people are doing. It's not great for the environment. The truth is, after they sandblast, you got a bunch of guys comes back with these tools called needle guns. And trust me, you never want to be the guy operating the needle guns, right? Because they go back and they chip off the paint to sandblast. And it's, it's a mess. And then inevitably, no matter what the job says, I shouldn't say it, in my experience, the best time to coat that naked, that raw steel is right after you're finished. Inevitably, they don't start coating until the next day. And you end up with rust starting to form, which then lessens your adhesion of your new coat, which just feeds the process even further. Well and in a lot of the traditional systems, which I'm going to call the other systems, is they have to redo their surface preparation. So you've got twice as much expense, twice as much grit, twice as much man hours. I mean, there's you're doing the job twice. Yeah. And so the final little piece of the environment is, you know, pipelines are the safest, most environmentally friendly way to move anything that's a liquid, you know, mm. not just hydrocarbons, but things like palm oil, whatever. You're out there actually making pipelines last longer. You're actually affecting pipeline integrity. We're talking about preventing pipelines from having failures, which I'm not going to say could be catastrophic, but could be rough for the environment. So just by the fact that you're protecting that steel inherently, you're fostering a good working relationship between that company and environment because they have less chances of something leaking. Yeah, and it was so interesting. I actually had almost the same conversation with an inspector from Georgia because they were having a problem with sweating surfaces on their above ground bell sets and meter runs. So he called, he said that, so this is the conversation we're having. So he said he called his local paint distributor and said, Hey, like I need a coating that can go on these areas we've got that are sweating. And, you know, and he said, the guy laughed out loud at him. He said, there is no way that you can coat a wet surface. And John said, he says, you know what? He says, I hung up the phone with that guy. And he says, it is 2018. There has got to be something out there. He says, we can't shut down the pipeline. He says, we got natural gas running through that. He said, there's just like, that's not an option. He says, we've got some major corrosion happening. He said, so we sort of have like one choice and that's to find a product that we can apply when on sweating pipes. So anyway, he contacted me. We had a great conversation, and they all now are actually looking at, at using my coating. And, and it's really, it's just a simply, I mean, there's so many doubters, and yet at the same time, I mean, it's just a, a natural advancement in technology. I mean, we used to have cell phones that were the size of a loaf of bread, and, you know, we used to, had computers that took up a whole entire room. And it's just something that, you know, is there's developments in in you know, we've talked on all our podcasts about there's new technology that available and the paint technology that I import is really one of them. 
Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a paradigm shift in that. A um, bit of a paradigm well, shift? It's a huge paradigm yeah. shift. Well, it's just, and you know, and, and it's something that, you know, like traditionally or rather historically, paint companies are like publicly held and it's in their best interest to sell as much paint as they can every year because they want to, you know, they've got shareholders to answer to. So my manufacturer is privately held and they actually developed the product for Scottish Power so that they could paint in inclement weather. So they, we always say like we're professional problem solvers. Like it isn't our goal to be able to sell as much paint as possible. It's our goal to solve our customers' problems, which is a very different slant on the paint industry, the coating industry. It's, it's a very different slant on doing business, right? When you're out there trying to help other business solve problems, you're doing the right thing, right? Yes, you need to make a profit. Yes, you have a business. But instead of trying to make somebody buy something that they don't want or don't need, you're actually helping them solve a problem. You're, you're a partner with them. Right, right. And yeah, and it's something that they that they don't have to buy every year. And I always, you know, say when I talk to people initially, like, you know, just think about it. Is, is there a reason why nobody has come up with a paint to solve this problem yet? You know, like, Maybe they want to sell paint every year. <laughs> not go down that rabbit yes, hole, but okay. I can see the logic behind it. <laughs> uh, speaking of not going down the rot rabbit hole, and this is a horrible tie-in, if you want to support the show, do me a favor. Leave a review. It takes all of five seconds. That's exaggerated. It takes a minute to do. Uh, we got a review. SHSNE Podcasts, five stars by Mark21CD from the U.S. As a student studying safety management, this podcast gives its audience a great insight and information to safety in the oil and gas sector. Great podcast. Thank you very much. So big shout out to Mark21CD. If you want to be like Mark21CD and have a shout out on the show, do me a favor. Go to iTunes, click leave a review, leave us a review. If there's something you don't like about the show, let us know that as well. So Cindy, we're getting close. We need to start winding down the show. See this over here? That's the Red Wing Offshore Bag. It is a cult item. I know you've seen it before. I know you don't have one. The only way you can have one until you have your own podcast. When you have your own podcast, <laughs> then you get a bag. Until then, the only way you can get one is to go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information. We give away one lucky winner a week. And audience, I know what you're thinking. No statistically you're better off entering to win the podcast than trying to convince me you have a podcast to bring on the network so you can get a bag. So just go enter. <laughs> so Cindy, it's been great having you on the Thank show. You. A couple of things we talked about our network happy hour. You'll be at our net networking happy hour. If anybody would like to come join us and 250 of your closest oil and gas professionals here in Houston, I will put a link in the show notes. Uh, we do it the last Tuesday of every month. They sell out. So if you want to go, get your ticket quick as possible. Uh, we do charge a small fee. That money's going to charity, so you can feel like your money's going to a good place. If you want to learn about the oil and gas events that we've talked about in the show, we've talked about in the future, we have a newsletter. We put it out once a month. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, just go click on it, sign up. We won't spam you. If you go to the HSNE website, give us your email address. We won't spam you, but this way you, we can notify you. Julia will reach out and notify you anytime we're doing something cool. If you want to learn second where we're doing something cool, go join the LinkedIn group. Microsoft's doing a really good job with LinkedIn. LinkedIn's starting to improve in quality. We have a very large group out there. Just type in OGGN.com and we'll pop up. Go join the group. Cindy, if people yeah. want to learn more about your company, where should they go? GOAenterprises.com. We'll put a link and, in the show notes. Yeah, and also I do have a uh, health, safety, and environment and savings comparison chart that there's two or three different pages on there that if you land just about any place, you can enter your email address and it will automatically be sent to you. But for anyone that's interested in actually doing the comparison or some of the different points that I mentioned today, the chart is a great way to look at it. Cool. So you're giving away a free tool to our audience. That's awesome. If people want to learn more about you personally, I'm guessing LinkedIn? Yes. Yeah. So we'll put a link in the show notes there as well. 
Cindy, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much. Looking forward to you joining the network. That that turnaround podcast is going to be awesome. It's going to be kick-ass. It's going to be kick-ass. Emma, you might have to bleep that one out, too. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. So, Cindy, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen in the field? Well, I'm originally from Canada, so don't eat yellow snow.